Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back or exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds, £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The final Final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by attheraces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome to the weekend preview. I'm Emma Kennedy, joined once again by At The Races pundit Kate Tracy and the man who is top of the naps table, Mr. Rory DeLarge, crushing in the winners, crushing them in, uh, both in top form as we look ahead to Air Gold Cup weekend. And that's the race we're going to start with, 340 Air over the six furlongs and currently on Betfair Mr. Lupton heads the betting at 7.0 after running in the Curra and winning uh, under Colin Keane at the weekend uh, Billy Garrity on board this time around and Nahar 8.0 Stone of Destiny is 8.0 for champion jockey Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding Bielsa for Kevin Ryan and Tom Eves is 9.0 and Staxton a uh, horse I quite like for this race for Tim used to be 11.0 Kate Tracy let's begin with you the Air Gold Cup who is your idea of the winner? So I like Nahar in this. I think he has the right profile for me in this race. He's relatively unexposed compared to a lot in here. He's around the right rating to be winning this of 100 with the last three winners of the race at air uh, having been rated 101, 101 and 101 for the dead heat winners. And Brando, who was rated 110, but with Growl in second running off of 101. So the rating of 101 exactly seems to be the magic number for the Air Gold Cup. Um, so we're almost there with this lad on a rating of 100. Um, but I thought he was uh, going to go on to become a passing caliber horse following his win in the Bet365 handicap at Newbury on his penultimate start. And I had hoped that a win in the Stewards' Cup was ultimately going to cement that feeling. But he just didn't give his true running of the race there for me. So... With that in mind, I don't think he was disgraced at all in finishing ninth, but all it will read that he was a beaten favourite last time out. And he turned around um, following his uh, his Newbury win quite quickly, though, for that Goodwood run. So that could have been the reason why he just looked a little bit flat. Plus, we know how Goodwood can and can't lend itself to certain horses, and it's always something we have to bear in mind. Back down one pound, I think he could still be better than this mark of 100. And he's back on more of a conventional track here. He's had a freshen up, so hopefully he can bounce back to form. Uh, for the each way place, Stone of Destiny, he's at least now currently an each way price anyway. Um, 
hopefully he'll stay around that. Uh, after he was able to capitalise on his reduced mark last time out to win the Portland handicap at Doncaster from a £4 lower mark than his previous latest winning mark. And he really looked like he appreciated being able to pass horses over the five and a half furlong. Just really tanked into the race under Sylvester D'Souza and took off when he was asked to go and win his race, which was impressive over that trip. He looks well treated here under the five pound penalty on that ready win last night. But evidently he is a horse you do have to catch right. So if he ended up kind of around the sort of 12 to 1 price, then I will be having him for the each way play. Shorter than that, or shorter than 10s, I may not be quite as interested from the value perspective. But um, And just to quickly touch on the favourite, uh, Mr. Lupton, or the current favourite as we record anyway, uh, I did like his win on Sunday, but all the low-drawn horses were slightly advantaged at the Curra that day. But mm. you could see the evident case for him all the same after his eye-catching run in the great St. Wilfred before that. Ran in this race last year, but he was well beaten to finish 20th. But that was off of a £7 higher mark. So he comes here under a £5 penalty, which clearly gives him a very good chance of following up. But I am going to take him on, though, all the same, just uh, because I do think he was slightly advantaged by the draw last night. So Nahar for the win for me. Nahar for William Haggis and Tom Marquand, who's been having a fantastic season, all things considered. And of course, was the big race winner uh, last week on Sky Sports Racing with the St. Ledger. Rory Delargy, you love a big field handicap. They don't come much bigger than the Air Gold Cup. Are you in agreement with Kate or will you be taking her on? Uh, correct favourite, uh, in my view. And I think he will start favourite, Nahar. Um, You've got to ignore his last run. Um, oh, it wasn't a terrible. It wasn't a terrible effort. It was just um, he'd been uh, um, improving in leaps and bounds, running in the right sort of races. Uh, interestingly, the one that finished, um, I think, a, a key race in uh, in looking at this is the Silver Walkingham that um, uh, that he ran in. I'm just waiting for the the result to to pop up on my screen. He was third that day. Um, the uh, first four home were all drawn in um, mid to high that day. It was definitely a bias towards the uh, uh, the stand side, and that uh, and that race chief of chiefs, of course, won it. Um, he was drawn in stall twenty one. Nahar Burmese Walls was second from stall twenty four, but back in fifth place, not that far behind, uh, length and three quarters behind Nahar was Gabriel the Wire, um, who was a fifty to one poke that day, and fared best of the horses drawn low. Now. Um, Gabriel the Wire since then well he won he won next time out um, over seven furlongs so he's, uh, he's still a little bit higher in the weights for that since then he's been doing what all good horses carrying the colours of Dr. Marwan Kukash do and he's been running in unsuitable races at Chester <laughs> um, <laughs> Chester is very very much not his track um, and this straight fast run six furlongs has hit him an awful lot better than um uh, than seven at uh, Chester last time out, where um, uh, where he lost the race at the start, essentially slowly away at Chester, um, over seven furlongs, unable to get competitive at all, not beaten that far in the end as typical Chester. Um, and previous to that, he was seventh of twelve in a uh, in a, a high class handicap. Again, just a bit too free for his own good to to last home over the extended seven. Um, he does stay seven, uh, a sharp seven anyway. But I think he'd be ideally suited by a very well run. Um, six furlongs and I think he'll he'll have to be given um, uh, his recent form he'd have to be a big big price uh, I don't think he's the likeliest winner on paper but I look at the the head of the market and I see reasons to be against most you know 
Um, I don't think that there are too many with absolutely standout chances. It may well be that Nahar is, is your archetypal um, group horse and a handicap horse. He looked like he was going all the way a couple of starts ago um, and just had that little blip last time out. Now, if, if he can recover from that, he's got uh, blindingly obvious claims, Nahar, and I do respect his chances. But as I said, um, my selection wasn't far behind him at Ascot, um, was badly drawn that day, um, and is interesting at the weights. Paul Hannigan rides. I think it'd be a great story if Paul Hannigan won this race. Um, it's a little bit of a shock to the system to see how many winners Paul has ridden this season. You want to guess, Emmett? Uh, normally, this is what I do to you. So I like the fact <laughs> that you have managed to turn the tables on me. And now I'm starting to think that, hmm, is this going to be a trick question? Six. Six winners this year, this calendar year. Um, that's, in, that's including all weather in, in January and February. How, how many course, rides has he, he had? He, he had about, well, he hasn't had that. He's, he's had um, about 90 rides, 80 something, I think. Um, that's because he was injured in a fall. He, he, um, he right. uh, vertebrae in a, in a fall in the all weather. So he's been out for a long time. Um, and obviously, he's taken him a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things. But he's been riding, um, been riding winners uh, lately. Uh, his last um, half dozen rides. The two winners, and he's also had one that, that seemed to get up on the line at Red Car the other day, traded about 40s on in the photo, traded one on one in the run, traded very, very short in the photo, and uh, somehow managed to get beaten. Um, but two winners uh, prior to that. Uh, and he seems to be, I've watched him a couple of times, seems to be riding with, um, uh, with a fair bit of dash. Um, so the enthusiasm is still there with Mr. Hannigan. Of course, he's a, a former champion jockey. So um, it's always... Um, striking when you see a jockey who, who you'd expect to be riding tons of winners to be to be in single figures for the season. Obviously, there are, there are two reasons for that. There's, there's the injury, and then of course there's a, the strange year that's been in it anyway. Um, but uh, it'd be great if he could um, if he could hit form at the end of the season. Yeah, well, well said. I'm 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 actually. Likes I was just going to say clearly, Bogey is frustrated and surprised at that as well because he's started <laughs> barking all of a sudden when you said six. Um, I just, uh, I would have automatically, I know that he's had an injury, but I would have expected a bigger number. Um, so yeah, look, you're spot on. It would be great to see him go and win this race. Uh, the current price for Gabriel Dwyer is 41.0. Yeah, he'd, he'd need to be 40s and bigger. I'm not suggesting for a second this that he should be among the favourites for this race. But as I said, a, a, a lot of those ahead of the market of horses I've been with earlier in the season. Mr. Lupton, I damn near napped at, um, at the Curl the other day. And uh, uh, my would-be nemesis did. Um, he, he won. In fairness, he was, he was, he was a ridiculous price. 16 to 1 overnight for that, for that race at the Curl. Um, and backed into favouritism. Uh, on the day, in as short as nine to two at one stage, um, his claims are obviously not. But of course, he's you know he's carrying a penalty. Um, Billy Gardy takes over to offset that. I'm not a massive fan of the whole offsetting penalty with with apprentice jockey. Uh, he's been around a fair while, Billy, and, he, and um, he's got a lot of experience for his claim. But um, it's 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 not a logic I like enormously. Uh, he's as I said, he's got he's got obvious claims. Nahar's got claims. So he can bounce back from that last run. Um, the likes of Stone of Destiny obviously won the uh, the Portland last time out. Um, I, I think everything fell in his lap, and his trainer said so pretty much after the race. He's he's very he's good enough to win one of these races, but a lot of these sprinters need everything to fall right for them, mm. which is Andrew Balding said after that, and everything did fall right for him in the day. Um, oddly enough, he was pretty much the only horse to race near the stand side rail, which was the quickest ground all week at Doncaster. 
um, and he was able to to sort of um, ply a lone furrow there, which suited him down to the ground, and he ran a decent winner. Obviously, he's higher in the weights uh, for that as well. Um, Staxton was a horse I really liked early in the season. You know, he won the, the Great St. Wilfred. He dropped a long way in the weights um, before that. He's still fairly handicapped in last season's form of 94, but these horses are all now very, very um, prominent in the market. And I want to be with a bit of an outsider. If you look at the history of the, the Air Gold Cup, you get, you know, again, you do need things to drop right. You don't know whether the draw is going to favour those drawn um, uh, very low or whether it's going to favour the horses drawn high. Um, and it really depends how the race plays out. It's always been difficult to predict that. We always look for clues in the previous races. Um, quite a lot of the time, you'll have the Bronze Cup the previous day and everyone thinks, aha, clues for the big race tomorrow. And that whatever draw bias appeared to exist in that is more often than not turned in its head the following day. Mm. So as I said, this is a typical trappy sprint handicap. Everything is rated between 95 or 94 and 105. It's a very, very narrow band anyway. These are talented sprinters. A lot of them have been laid out for the race as well. Um, the going at the moment is officially good to soft, soft in places. I cannot believe it will be like that at the weekend. Um, they had um, two and a half mils of rain on Tuesday, I think. Aside from that, it's going to be warm and warm and summit, warm as it gets at air. It never gets too warm in air uh, for four days. And I think the going is going to be good, good to firm on Saturday. And if it isn't, they've got very strange turf there. <laughs> Which should suit Gabriel Luar. So it will suit Gabriel Luar, yeah. yeah. Um, as I said, he's not, you know, you, you need to be getting that kind of price of buying him. If, if he halves in price stream now and then, I'd be a little bit wary of it, but you know he's a kind of horse that could go off one of the one of the rank outsiders here based on his recent efforts. But Richard Fahey's very good at getting them ready for races like this. I think uh, Paul Hannigan will be really up for it as well. Um, not that you know that shouldn't make all the difference. I know what you mean, know but it's nice. It's nice to know that your jockey's inspired to do the to do the job on the day um, rather than just going through the motions. And uh, his Ascot run, as I said, he's got excuses uh, since that. Um, his Ascot run read very well at the time. He was unfancied that day. He was, he was poorly drawn and he's run very well. Uh, similar kind of scenario where it turns out that he's reasonably drawn. He's drawn a stall five and there are plenty of um, uh, previous runnings of this race where those drawn sort of uh, in single figures were not necessarily right on the far on the far rail have done well. Um, it tends to be kind of one, you know, one wing or the other, but not they don't necessarily race against the rail either far side or near side of there. And in smaller fields, it doesn't tend to be any, uh, an advantage to do that. It tends to be an advantage to race closer to the middle. Um, but the way this, this race pans out, you know, you, you have uh, you have two avenues on either side of the track, and it kind of depends on how much pace there is on within those groups and how horses are pulled through the race as well. So it's not easy to predict beforehand. I didn't, sometimes you see, a, you know, all the paces in one place. And you think, right, well, that should, that should, you know, guarantee that's where the race will take shape and you can find the horses that will be pulled into it. Um, I find it difficult to do that with the field this year, certainly at first glance. Um, so it's a bit of a toss up with the draw. Uh, and that's why I really want to be with a horse at a price. Um, and he, uh, he very much fits the bill. So for the man who leads the naps table, Gabriel Dwyer at 41.0 currently on the Bedford Exchange. Uh, also, a note of confidence for Kate's selection, Nahar. The last two winners of this race were both 28 to 1. So let's do the forecast, shall we? <laughs> and try, try and land it again, uh, like the Bedford Sprint Cup. 76 to 1. Uh, so we'll go again, this time with uh, Gabriel Dwyer and Nahar, and I'll throw in Staxton for the TriCast, because... We were we were knocked out of that tricast by a short head. Mm. 
And it, well, yeah, it, you're not kidding me. And it paid <laughs> 360 to one. And our horse was two points bigger than the horse who actually finished third. So maybe, maybe we'll see you all in Dubai. Uh, after the Air Gold Cup. Uh, that is our selections for that race. We'll go to the consolation, the Silver Cup. 2.30. Again, six furlongs. Golden Apollo uh, will head the weights on Nine Stone Nine alongside Byline and Aplomb. Uh, and Atlanta's Bay uh, Hyper Focus is up at the top of the weights as well. Uh, Kate, what is your shortlist or indeed your confidence selection for the Silver Cup? So, well, when I first started looking at the Air Silver Cup and the Air Gold Cup, uh, we, we didn't have declarations at that point. And so, therefore, the first horse that stuck in my mind for the Air Silver Cup, at least, was At Atlanta's Boy. He remains lightly enough race for a five-year-old with just the 13 career starts, but has looked progressive on the whole this season. Winning first and out at Chelmsford, where he looked like he had taken another step forwards from last season with his usual front-running style, seeing out the six furlongs very well. He was then only caught close home next time out by Arcanada at Windsor in a Class 3 handicap with chairman of the board, uh, back in fourth, who went on to win his next start in a Class 2 handicap. So it was a fair effort, which... Um, I had many fancying for the Stewards' Cup at Goodwood, but he absolutely blew the start after having a bit of a strop, really, before the off. He really as the stalls opened, and in a race like the Stewards' Cup, especially when you're a front end of a pace horse, was just not going to work out for him from that moment. So back in a smaller field of runners last time out, over the same Stewards' Cup course and distance, he was much happier. Ridden differently to what we usually see of him in rear. He managed to make amends for the Stewards' Cup incident, was a good winner of the Class 2 handicap, by one and a half lengths. Just my biggest concern with him is him getting upset in the loading process with the big field of runners here. Hopefully, he's loaded as one of the last horses and David Minusia has preempted this, but he is drawn in 15, which leaves him with work to do in the early stages because, I mean, last year's race, Rory's touched on the draw and that. We'll know more from today and tomorrow seeing the race and kind of how the draw is going to switch. Even then, <laughs> very often switches come the Saturday anyway. Uh, with the silver and the gold uh, cups as well. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of trying to preempt it. But last year's race, it was all about the low draws on the good ground. And we saw all bar one runner heading over to that far side rail last year. So we'll know yeah, more after today and tomorrow, at least anyway. But just him in 15, it kind of puts him in that awkward sort of no man's land. So the horse then, once the decks came out, a horse that has thrown a proper spanner in the works for me was Kings Lynn. I, I wanted him to get into the Gold Cup um, uh, because to, to kind of save me really on as Atlanta's boy. But now that he falls into the Silver Cup, then I'm a bit, oh goodness, <laughs> I'll say I have to side with him now. He's just a mystery horse here. So he makes his handicap debut off of this mark in 94. But there's just not really much not to like about his three runs today. Finishing second on debut by a short head to a horse coming into the race on the back of a win. Then the form of his win on a second start in a valuable sales race at Doncaster on his final start of last season has worked out really well. Then he ran really well on the back of an 11-month break, finishing a clear second behind Starman on his reappearance. Starman, as we know, went on to win the listed Garibay Stakes uh, at York. So the form has been boosted in the best way of that. But I just really like the way Kingsland went through that Doncaster race. But he just lacked that finishing effort of the race fit winner. And... He's seemingly, at least for now, well drawn at this stage in six, where all the runners wanted to be last year. So hopefully he can break well, make the most of his draw before the others start tracking across. So I've now switched with the decks. I'm going Kings Lynn now to win. 
King's Lynn is the change in tactic. So for Kate Tracy, what about you, Rory? Have you flip-flopped on this or are you sticking with your original selection? Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't look at it before Dex um, in case that happened, to be honest. And King's Lynn is definitely interesting and has the look of one who'll be, who'll be punted heavily for this. I think he'd be favourite for the race. Um, and you on that basis, um, horses like that are often worth backing in the first place, and then you can either add another string to your bow or look to you know lay off part of your stake if you want. Um, but I am taking a chance with a with a, another frustrating horse here, um, but a horse that I, I pointed out um, two runs ago um, for a particular reason, and that is Arbalet. Oh, he's a very very it was a very talented. Um, a juvenile, he just lost his way um, a little bit, but interestingly, um, David Amara, who's who's had him um, for a while, um, went to Josephine Gordon when he ran at Ascot two starts ago. Now Josephine ruled him a fair bit when he was trained by Hugo Palmer. Her record on the horse, uh, given he's got a very up and down record, is second, first, first, fifth, second. The fifth came in the Jersey Stakes at Royal Ascot. Um, and was probably his a lifetime best run from him, particularly as he um, as he had to race uh, largely on his own uh, in the centre of the track, having missed, got upset in the stalls and missed the break. And actually, he used to have a habit of um, of just missing the the break. He he can get a little bit upset in the stalls. Interestingly, in his last couple of starts, he's been as good as gold. He's bounced out in front, uh, both at Ascot and a Chelmsford last time out. He's got no record on the all weather. No record at all on the all weather, and yet he was sent off a reasonably short price last time with Jamie Spencer taking over, finished last of five, but wasn't knocked around. Uh, prior to that, I thought he was an unlucky loser. He was a he was a twenty-five to one shot in a seven furlong handicap at Ascot, um, and he was he travelled very well um, with the favourite that day, um, and through the last two furlongs of the race, um, he was carried left. I say the favourite, Society Line wasn't actually favourite, but Society Line just leaned on him through the last two furlongs, carried him all the way over from, from the centre of the track to the stand side. And he just, you know, he was basically trying to get past that horse for the last two furlongs, um, but was having his ground taken constantly. Managed to get past it in the last couple of strides, um, but in doing that, documenting, he kept straight as a die and had been in really good form for Kevin Frost, um, got up uh, past the pair of them to win by half a length. And that was um, Arbelet's best run in, in quite a while. Um, he looked straightforward. Now he does love Ascot. His record at Ascot, as a rule, is very good. Um, you know, he's got excuses for a couple of moderate runs there. Um, he ran in the international stakes um, earlier in the season, and the horse drawn next to him um, was deemed a non-runner, having got very upset in the stalls, and the jockey wasn't on board when the stalls opened. Has that ever happened in the international before? I wonder. Um, <laughs> so he. he he essentially lost his chance at the start there and then when he was staying on he got squeezed out a little bit um, so he's, he's a few runs that are quite good now the, the problem with him is for a horse of all his ability he was third in the salario be, behind um, you know a couple of behind Mazar and Romanized as a juvenile uh, he was also second to Hay Gammon as a juvenile as well um, so he had very good form uh, sort of you know listed group three level um, and then he started off quite well as a three year old then lost his way he's fallen finally fallen a little bit in the weights um, hence getting into the, the silver cup rather than the uh, the gold cup itself Josie Gordon's back on board again he gets cheek pieces on for the first time I'm not a massive fan, generally speaking, but he probably benefits from a bit of headgear, given that he often runs well without winning. Um, 
I'd arguably prefer another furlong, but he was run, he ran over a mile last time out. I don't think he wants a mile at all. And given that he's now started racing um, a little more generously early on, he actually might well be fully effective at six furlongs. He certainly was early in his career. Um, but then, you know, if you if you lose a bit of a, a beat at the start, you you benefit from an extra an extra a little bit of distance to help you get into it. Um, but if you look at his his best runs over seven furlongs, just flattening out late on the day. Uh, that run in the jersey, for example, looked like he's going to come all the way through and throw down a big challenge. Um, and he was a hundred to one shot that day. I think he's worth a try back at six furlongs. Um, when he's run over six furlongs uh, um, since his juvenile days, he, he's he, he's done so to team up for something else. But he's shown he's shown speed, um, and I think Josie Gordon might just be the key to him. So I think he's going to be a reasonable price after after disappointing last time. Um, he's he's drawn low again. I've kind of gambled on low being the place to be in the in the two races, especially if you're going to have an each way double in the two of them. Look for your your sort of grandstand bet. You might as well um, uh, take a bit of a gamble on on what the draw advantage is going to be. You're getting a sort of a, a related double then to some to some extent. Um, so he's, he's a horse you can't be hugely confident about, but in terms of his ability and, and his current form, um, I think he's um, he's pretty interesting. What kind of price do you have about him there, Emmett? If you no idea, nobody has a price up yet no. at the time of recording. No one. I can see what I can see what price he he is showing with Betfair Sportsbook uh, for the Gold Cup because <laughs> uh, they're, they're still showing the old prices there before he was twenty. He was twenty five to one shot. Uh, for that, but that was one, you know, uh, that was kind of an interesting bit with everything uh, included. Um, yeah, I'd want 20s, I think. Okay. 16s maybe might tempt me, and I wouldn't want to be backing him at a short price because, um, you know, the, the bottom line with him is he's always promised an awful lot and he hasn't quite fulfilled that. But as I said, there are there are um, reasons to be more positive about him now that he's refined his feet for his current yard. Um Often his, his poor runs um, coincide with running at Newmarket, which he's never liked. Um, so throughout all weather runs, throughout Newmarket runs, uh, and his record looks a, a fair bit better um, when you do that than, than when you look at it overall. Overall, you look at him and think, not the kind of horse you want to be backing with a strike rate like he, like he does, especially as none of his wins have come in handicaps. Well, Josephine um, Gordon, Josephine Gordon got just, a great ride out of him last time at, uh, on, she did, in yeah, September. That's, that's the thing. Every single time she's ridden him, he's run to the very best of his ability. Mm. Um, and that, I think, is, a, is the big positive with him. You can, it's very easy finding the negatives, um, but the positives aren't that hard to dig out if you, if you try. Um, and I'm hoping that um, he'd be priced up with the negatives in mind rather than the positives. Okay, so that's Arbalet. You're looking for 16s, at least, hopefully 20s. With a view to the Air Gold Cup itself, Rory, should we be playing Gabriel the Wire the same way we played Made in India last week? Hold Matt yes. Tough. Because yeah. made, made in India was priced up as, as a 33 to 1 shot by some firms. Then they pushed him out, like you predicted, to 100 to 1. Thanks, Skybet. To which a number of Final Forum Podcast listeners pounced and then got the each way gamble. Yeah, you'll also, well, you'll also get the extra places as well. So it's mm. not, you know, if I'm backing something at this stage when, you know, the overrounds are huge and the place terms are moderate, um, I need to know the price is badly wrong. Um, and I don't think that's going to be the case with Gabriel Wire. I think he's, I think he's the type. You know, there's not. 
he's not going to be close to top rated say on time form figures and I'd imagine on, on Racing Post ratings whatever ratings people look at he won't come out particularly well um, there's nothing to obviously say he's brilliantly drawn you need to look back four runs to find an effort that gives him a chance and even that was strictly speaking an unplaced effort so a lot of people will look at it and say well he's held by the favourites this is again the argument with made in India because even when you look at her good run this season the run that gave her every chance of winning that people will say, still say oh she's finished behind um, Liberty Bell mm. they won't look at the weights um, so again people say oh he's you know, finished behind Nahar at Ascot so there's no reason why he should why he should reverse the form um, whereas actually there is so yeah it's, it's pretty much the same um, he's not going to be a sexy horse I can't see any of the obvious people uh, putting him up um, to depress the market uh, the night before so best best evening price or best best price sort of late morning off the race is the is the the, the time to to catch him i think i like the Unless way I nap I, him, of course yes i like the way you say i can't see any of the obvious people putting him up i've got news for you rory you lead the naps table you are one of the <laughs> well, yeah, obvious but I, people I, I, but i haven't i haven't napped him i haven't napped him for the weekend so well hold on we don't thing. know yet because we and don't I didn't nap we, made in india we haven't got to the end of the show yet so we don't know what you're going to do and I got to tell you, and I don't mind saying this, that in, and this is all thanks to our listeners, in the last couple of weeks, the listenership figures have skyrocketed. I don't know what it was that happened, but for some reason, maybe it's the form of the team. Maybe it's that you're all banging the winners in left, right, and center. Maybe it's O'Sheen Murphy and Aidan O'Brien. I have no idea. But the listenership figures are insanely high uh, over the last few weeks. So... Everybody hold mad tough. Hold mad tough with Gabriel Dwyer. Pack him in the morning. Wait for wait for the traders to make a mistake. If I decide to, if I decide to nap him on Friday, and obviously that needs to be sent into the at five o'clock, I will be I will be kind and I will tweet that he will be my nap at half past four so people can do what they want. Make sure you're following Rory Delarkey on Twitter, which is at at Helen's are. Well done. But you'll be retweeting us straight away anyway. Of course so. I will. Of course I will. Uh, so keep a, a close eye on that and uh, and we'll see what the story is. Uh, Kate has gone for Kings Lynn and um, for Rory Delargy in the Silver Cup, it is Arbalet. But unless Rory tells you, hold my tough, hold my tough, don't spoil it for us. Uh, Air 155, the Jordan Electric's Duneside Cup Stakes. I almost did that in a Scottish accent and then I decided, nah, that's not. Uh, listed oh, race. Adieb. Uh, currently has the betting at 2.5. Fox Chairman, 3.75. Lord Glitters, admirable horse, 5.5. And you can Glen, 8.0 for Jim Goldie. Kate, uh, your thoughts on the listed race over 10 furlongs, the 155. Yeah, I'm pretty boring in this one, to be honest with you. Uh, there's not really too many uh, betting perspectives for me to be getting too excited about here, to be honest. I'm with a day of... Uh, I mean, he's chosen here instead of the Group 3 at Newbury, which I thought mm. was interesting um, in itself. So I was waiting to see which way they were going to go and uh, thinking it was going to be Newbury. So, uh, no, they're doing the extra miles up to air anyway. So hopefully it will pay, pay its way. Um, I mean, he's clear on ratings here. And although he has to give £7 to the field, he's continued his good form from before the break with those... Uh, um, with that very good second in the Prince of Wales's at Royal Ascot behind Lord North which was a fair effort on his reappearance. And for all I know, um, I, I know it wasn't as significant a layoff as many had 
have had for their reappearance starts following his couple of Australian Group 1 wins in March and April. Uh, but he's had a bit more time off now to freshen up again. But this looks a good opportunity for him to get a listed win. And as I say, I just think it's notable that William Haggis has decided to send him to air instead of Newbury. So, yeah, pretty dull, but a day of. Well, I'm with you. I think he'll be extremely hard to beat. Roy DeLarge? Yeah, I think he's coming to air for the grind. I don't think he's going to get the grind. He may win without the grind. If it's good, he'd probably get away with it. But as I said, um, if it's if they're still soft in the ground without without the track being watered, given the with the weather forecast um, uh, over the the um, uh, the few days of the meeting, I'd be surprised. So I'd I'd want to be against him at um, at six to four. Um, I wouldn't be mad to be against him at six to four, but I wouldn't. But as I said, there's not um, the race is priced up with the current going report. Um, in mind, as I said, I, I'd be very surprised if that's how it rides in the end. And he's not—he's um, not superior to, to a couple of his rivals, given the uh, the weight he's given away. I think he's struggled to give seven pints. Um, and I think Fox Chairman is the likeliest winner of the race. Ooh! Now he was—he ran in heavy ground last time, and he handled soft ground, Fox Chairman. But he doesn't need it. Um, he's at least as good on top of the ground, and his uh, his penultimate effort, um, I would say, is. Um, is probably good enough to take this, unless uh, you know, unless a day takes a step forward. And I think that's, I think that's um, unlikely. I think he's a really, really solid horse. But you know, we we know he's a he's a better horse with cut in the ground, and that was a, a genius move um, to pick up a couple of um, uh, Group One races in Australia where they were racing on soft, and it suited him better than the others um, there. But yeah, um, the. Uh, York Sticks that uh, Fox Chairman uh, finished second in is well. We never got to find out exactly how, how good that form was because I thought Aspatar would run well in the um, in the international and he obviously missed that race. But he was ahead of Lord Glitters that day. He was ahead of Telecaster that day. He was ahead of Regal Reality that day. Telecaster and Regal Reality won group races on their next starts. Uh, Ellercam was unplaced. Um, a repeat of that, I think, will win this race even if a day was at his best. Um, you know, unless the ground is is genuinely still good to sort. Um, and as I said, I, I can't see that being the case. Rory Delargy putting Kate Tracy and I in our place. Well, <laughs> the, re- the result will decide who's putting their place. It's on. It's on. War. Good God, Joel. What is it good for? Apparently getting winners. Uh, the first juvenile race that we're going to talk about, and we'll do them back to back as we head to Newbury afterwards, is the 305 at air. The Scotty brand Firth of Clyde Phillies Stakes Group 3. And the favourite is... Do you want to pronounce this, Kate? <laughs> no, I was hoping you were just going to do the Firth of Clyde in a Scottish accent. That kind of lends itself. The Firth of Clyde! Um, um, better. <laughs> there you go. That wasn't you a cough. You the accent. <laughs> That's how you actually have to do the pronunciation. Um, um, Heads the betting at 3.25. Uh, for God's sakes. Cato. Ilya Kato. That's actually probably all right. 6.5. Lullaby Moon, 9.0. And Mambo Wamba, 9.0. Right. Ridiculous names towards the head of the betting here. Maybe we're just running out of names. uh, And this is what what it's led to. But uh, Richard Fahey and Mick Shannon have got the horses towards the head of the market. Rafe Beckett with Lullaby Moon. Kate Tracy, your thoughts on the Group 3 juvenile race? Because Rory doesn't want to talk about it. Do you reckon with the juveniles now, they're just putting all the letters from a scrabble in a bag and just chucking them out and just seeing what comes up first and thinking, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> We're getting yeah, wh- that last Why not? Now. Why not? Just yeah. go, uh, 
Illy Cato, yeah, that'll do. Grand. Yeah, sounds enough of a name. Um, yeah, so um, I'm going against those at the head of the market here, not because I can't pronounce their names, but because I just think they're too short prices. And it, it is, it's a, it's a bit of a muddling race, really. It's a bit of a confusing race. Therefore, I was trying to find any sort of value here more so than anything. And the one who has the value to her name is Perfect Times, Mark Johnston's runner there. Three starts for this Glen Eagles filly so far in her career. And she's unfortunate not to be unbeaten from those three starts, I think. After winning on debut at Kempton against more experienced rivals, she then really caught my eye that day. She wasn't a typical Mark Johnston runner around Kempton because she looked green. She didn't break especially well, found herself outpaced in Rio, which was not the place to be at Kempton. Well, it hasn't been the place to be at Kempton over the six furlongs this season. Uh, but she pulled out an impressive two-length win all the same. She then went to Ripon, where she was sent off favourite, but disappointed to finish fourth of the nine runners. But she, to me, she didn't look right under pressure, and she was hanging. And it actually turns out she burst a blood vessel in that run. So naturally, you're a bit concerned that a horse has done that, especially on just their second start, as it's always difficult once a horse has bled to prevent it happening again. But very often a horse can bleed, you know, especially that early in their career. A horse can bleed because they're either slightly under the weather, they have a little bit of an infection or they've given a knock to their head, you know, the night before or in the lorry traveling there to the races or something. Like luckily, rarely does that happen. But that's what you're always almost hoping has happened when they do bleed because then it's not something long term. So I was cautious next time out back at Kenton, but there was no need to be because she showed no real effects of her bleeding. One well again after making all over the six furlongs this time around, far more forwards. So I don't think it will hinder her being back on the turf again. Because, um, you know, initially when you look at the form, that's the one thing that's going to stand out. But there's an evident reason for that disappointment. And hopefully that bleeding was just uh, a one-off and she'll be the pick for me here. I like it. Um, I am taking a swing at a horse who lacks experience compared to the rest of this field. Satani Girl. Really liked her performance at Ripon last time out. And she's currently... 21.0 on the bet for exchange. Rory. Uh, well, you don't need my opinion in the race then if uh, if, if you've got one in there at a price. Uh, I'm not, not mad keen on the race. Um Coltham um, or Um Coltham would be the, the obvious um, the obvious winner for me. Uh, that third to Miss Amulet and the Lyther is very, uh, very good form. Yes, Rory, it is good form, isn't it? Yes, it that is. Miss Amulet form is quite good, actually, isn't it, Rory? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I forgot that, do you? <sighs> Lordy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, she's uh, she's open to improvements. Uh, of course, it's named after the uh, uh, the fourth pyramid. Oh, uh, the uh, the Egyptian singer, songwriter, and actress Um Kultum. Who is a national icon in Egypt? You've lost all your Egyptian listeners now, haven't you? <laughs> now, those comments. Rory, did you look that up on Wikipedia, or <laughs> did you know that beforehand? Oh, I've got all her. Uh, I've got all her forty-fives. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, vinyl is very much back in now. I wouldn't mind only. I've actually been watching YouTube documentaries on the uh, Egyptian architecture and on the building of the on the building of the pyramids. That didn't come up, annoyingly. That did no, not come up. It's a nickname. The fourth. It was she was she was the star of the East. The fourth pyramid. She was such an such an icon. They give her these nicknames. 
Yeah, well, to quote Kate Tracy, actually what they did girl. was they just it took a, a few. Girl, they took. Uh, 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 the views of Roy Delargue are not necessarily those of the Final Forum podcast. Uh, really, what happened is they just took the Scrabble letters, uh, threw them all together, jumbled them up in the air, and came up with the name. There you go. Um, and that's Final Forum podcast scientific history for you. Uh, also, there's a documentary on the Sumerians on YouTube, which I highly recommend you watch if you're interested in history. It's really, really good. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the Betfair exchange and get a £5 free bet. With each free bet you win, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in back on exchange bets placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. 3.25 Newbury. The Dubai duty-free Millery Stakes. Here we go. Uh, 5,001 for Andrew Balding and Sylvester D'Souza. 2.75 currently on Betfair exchange. At Rhythm Master for our friend John Dance, 3.5 for Richard Fahey and PJ McDonald. Uh, Simon and Ed Crisford have got uh, Bahrain Pride for James Doyle. Interesting name. And uh, Devil Walla for Archie Watson and Russell Wine is. Uh, did I just say wine? Ryan, 6.0. Apologies for the Jonathan Ross impersonation there. Um, so back to back juvenile races. Kate Tracy, who do you like here in the 325 at Newbury? Quick, quick quiz. What's 5,000 to 1? Why is 5,000 to 1 named 5,000 to 1? Oh. Rory, don't answer. Is it, is it the quiz? Is it she the knows old, I know. Is it the I know, Rory knows. Oh, yes, it was that. It was that, yeah, whenever Channel 4 were doing that 15 to 1, they realised that they weren't going to get through all the episodes. They had 5,000 people on it one day instead. <laughs> so it was 15 to 1, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, oh what a dumb dumb I am. All right, Kate, what is it actually then? It was the price someone took on Leicester winning the league and it came off. <laughs> oh, did you tweet about this? I think I've said it to you in the past, but I say a lot of things. To oh, man, I should have remembered <laughs> And of course, it's not the price that somebody took. It's the price that everybody on Twitter took about Leicester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody took it. I have never haven't met anyone in my entire life who didn't back Leicester uh, to win the premiership at 5,000 to one. There was, there's two stories I'm aware of. One was a, a doctor did the bet for his, uh, for his secretary, who, who, his personal assistant who's worked for him for years because she's a big Leicester fan and he did like 10 pound win on Leicester to win the Premier League as a joke and she put it behind a picture frame and never touched it until the league was over. And the other is uh, a, a woman did the bet um, because I, I remember whoever whoever the bookies PR rep was, they brought them to the game and they offered to buy the, you know, to cash out. And she said, it was before the, the final couple of games before they won. And she said, no, let it ride, which is always the way to go, of course, unless you've got massive profit, profit locked in, in which case cash out. Um, and uh, she said, no, no, we'll let it ride. And uh, I think she's paying for her brother's education or something along those lines. She's in college and... They were great stories. But yeah, then other other stories were emerging then as well, of course. Yeah, I've backed them at the start of the season as well. It's my first time backing Leicester to win the Premier League, you know, Rory. <laughs> God almighty. Well well done to those who did it. Anyway, so 5,000 to 1, that's where the history of that name comes from. It's Leicester winning the Premier League. Well done. Um, and not the famed Channel 4 game show that used to go on for 75 hours <laughs> per broadcast. <laughs> Kate. Uh, so yeah, you can keep your Egyptian culture and I'll have my gambling on football. <laughs> <laughs> my points of reference. Oh yeah, no, but I'm actually against him in this race. Sorry to touch on him for so long. <laughs> Screw you, 5,000 to 1. 
Yeah, I'm with um, Bahrain Pride here. I just love this horse's attitude on debut to beat 5,000 to 1. And the front two were clearly the two horses to take out of the race going forwards. And that evidently proved to be the case for both of them because they both went on to win their next starts. I thought at the time 5,000 to 1 may have more improvement to come because he was far more green on that debut run than Bahrain Pride, who was straight as a die and knew his job once he was into a battle with the eventual second place horse. But he himself showed further improvement to win his next start in the listed champion two-year-old trophy stakes at Ripon, which was an impressive win, not just because of his lack of experience, but he has a lovely pedigree to suggest he should be precocious, but also have the right amount of speed and stamina over these six furlong trips and should also make up into a nice three-year-old too. So there's not really much not to like. And looking at his rating of 103, £10 higher than 5,000 to 1, who um, is current favourite on my showing and looks likely... Uh, to be more and more popular in the market, which frees up enough value for me for barring pride. But I'm going to go with uh, with the exact here for Rhythm Master to finish second. Yeah, that's what I'm um, talking about. Yeah, that's what we're getting into the exact. Not, not a massive, I doubt it will be a massive payout uh, exactor here, but all the same. <laughs> but yeah, I just think Rhythm Master is a bigger danger than 5,000 to 1 following his easy win on debut. Then he improved again to finish third last time out in the Group 1 pre-morning behind Campanelle and Nando Parado, which was a massive run on just his second ever start, especially as he still showed a few signs of inexperience in that run as well. He might well have appreciated the softer ground on both of his two starts to date, which he's not going to get on Saturday. So for that reason alone, he's just marginally my second choice. Uh, but I'll have those two in the exactor anyway uh, and in the order mentioned, barring pride from Rhythm Master. Well, as someone who writes the pools panel for attheraces.com, Kate, you will know that if we get 5,000 to 1 out of the frame, we'll get a nice payout and the computer straight forecast or the exactus. So I'm happy to do that. And in fact, I'm siding with Rhythm Master. Uh, Rory, barring pride for Kate, Rhythm Master for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad on the race. I think it's it's difficult to um, to be sure what improvement there is to come from some of these two rules. I don't find them great betting. They're great races to watch for the future. They're, they're not always great betting mediums for me. They are for other people. Um, so I tend not to get too carried away. But I would agree. I, I'd be with Barry and Pride. Um, uh, impressive on debut. Um, the form has worked out. I thought he. Um, he travelled like the wrath of God from winning the, um, uh, which is a weak enough contest. As said, the the Ripon uh, Champion Two Year Old Trophy. I thought it was a disappointing turnout for a uh, for a listed race on the um, the weekend of the uh, Grayson Wilfred. Um, but he won that. I thought he won it very easily. I thought he was he was value for extra, um, and he he's not quite the horse to beat on that form. But uh, I think there's more to come from him as well. So. Um, Simon and Ed Christford um, banging in the winners at the moment as well. I, 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 you know, I think there's a lot of positives with him, so he would be the choice for me. But he's unlikely to be my nap of the weekend. All right, well, let's go in search of that then with the Five Furlong Dubai International Airport World Trophy Stakes, the Group Three One Forty at Newbury. Uh, the betting currently on the Betfair Exchange is headed by Lazilli. For Godolphin, Charlie Appleby and William Buick at 2.75. Moss Gill, 3.25. Tis Marvelous, 3.75. Uh, Kate Tracy, lead the way for the Group 3 over 5 furlongs, the 140 at Newbury. Uh, I quite like Tis Marvelous. What about yourself? Oh, I didn't realise Lazuli was favourite. That's a bit annoying. Um, I was hoping he wasn't going to be. Oh. Sorry to what bust your bubble. No. What price is Equilateral there? 4.0. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit annoying, really, for Lizudi. I was hoping to get a little bit of value for him because 
I I feel I love this horse. I really really like him, and maybe I'm still harking back to his super impressive the Scurry Stakes win. Really easy for me to say, uh, which I was so taken by at the time, and I wanted to follow this lad wherever he went next because not only was that win visually so impressive, but the time backed it up as well. So I was excited to see him in the Coral Charge for his second attempt in Group Company in his career, but. It was a very good-looking group three on paper with Ayali, Liberty Beach, Dakota Gold, as well as Tarbouche, Caspian Prince in there. So he wasn't disgraced in finishing fifth, despite weakening out of it more tamely than I had hoped. Then sent to Deauville last time out, uh, last time out back in a listed race, but over six furlongs, which did look a bit of a strange move because I, I just thought that this horse was all speed. Um, stepping in up in trips then for that race after his weakening effort at Sandown and it proved that way because he just couldn't sustain his effort so the drop back to five furlongs here looks a good move as I say I think he's all speed and I'm still keeping the faith of him as I think this looks an easier group three for him to be winning than the Sandown one so I was hoping that a few more uh, might be fancied in the market here and free up a bit more value for him but yeah I'll still stick with him all the same anyway Lazuli Lazuli for Kay Tracy Rory uh, he's got an awful win record, but the horse to beat, I think, in the race is Equilateral. Holly Doyle on for the first time. Mm. What's not to like there? Who's mm. on fire? Uh, well, apart from apart from Equilateral's, um, you know, uh, his win record uh, for horse visibility is disappointing. Um, I you could you could be very dull and back in place only here. I think he's I think he's almost impossible to kick out of the frame. Uh, his form doesn't look particularly impressive his last his last few starts, but. Um, uh, he was um, racing at a ship beyond his best in the July Cup. Um, he then didn't get um, uh, didn't get much of a run. Traded short in the run um, in the City Wall Stakes at, um, at York, and he was probably um, drawn out of it a little bit in the Flying Five. Uh, turned out quickly after that. Um, he just couldn't get competitive. This will suit him. The, the track in Newbury will suit him very well, um, as he's. Uh, uh, you know, as you can see from his from his run style, he likes to come from off the pace a lot of a lot of the time over five furlongs. You you've got to be on the speed, uh, whereas he wants to produce a turn of foot from off the pace. And I think this track will suit him um, in that regard. Um, it's just a case of getting the right kind of price about him because he's he's not one to he's not one to back at very short odds given that um, that win record. But um, uh, the balance of his form makes him the horse to beat in this race. Um, and uh, he's been, I think, when he when he wasn't beaten far at York, he was, I think he was, was he penalised for that as well? He's certainly not penalised here. Um, and, um, yeah, he, he's, he's definitely not going to be out of the frame. I think, uh, my gut feeling is he might end up finding a way of finishing second. Uh, and Lajolai might well be the horse to, uh, to beat him as well. But he, he is the best horse in the race, and he should be marginal favourite. So if he's going to be third or fourth favourite, then um, I'd have to swallow my diets and back him. Holly Doyle, currently fourth in the Jockeys' Championship, the Sky Sports Racing Ambassador. Hopefully she can add another winner to her CV this weekend. What an incredible season it's been for her, and the only way is up, you would like to think. The 2.15 is the Dubai Duty Free Handicap over 10 furlongs in Tenbury Wells. A $1.6 million purchase heads the betting for John Gosden at 5.5 on Betfair. And look no further, basically. Tenbury Wells wins, obviously having cost that money. Uh, Kay Tracy, talk me off the ledge here. <laughs> what price can I get on May Danny here? May Danny, eleven point oh. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, because I, I Tembury Wells, I really do like uh, for the win purposes. But uh, 
I was finding it tricky at the head of the market really with this race to to kind of yeah find that value perspective so I was hoping that Maidani was going to be an each way price um because that's 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 the way I'd like to take this horse and uh, and if he is that then that's that's perfect for me then so I have Maidani each way uh because he, he's just a bit of a funny horse really isn't he after the gelding operation seemingly worked wonders on him last season which wouldn't have been an easy decision to have made for connections after costing one million three hundred fifty thousand guineas as a yearling, oh. and just how well bred he is. I know that the most expensive sniff of all time. So, yeah, but it, it, it looked like the decision was likely to pay off, or at least to an extent, on the track. On his reappearance and his first start following that gelding operation, where he easily won at Yarmouth over one mile, and he thought, "Wow, this is." he's just been allowed to win a handicap off of a mark of 80 and will eventually go on to beyond handicap company surely and he didn't run badly at all despite being sent off joint favorite for the silver royal hunt cup but then he didn't give much of a showing at all at newmarket before bouncing back at goodwood to run out a great win in the class two handicap to win by five left then he bombed out at york last time out so clearly something was amiss there because that was just too bad to be true, even with York throwing up strange results, as we know. But he was eased out of it. So I'm willing to draw a line through that. But you do look at his record and there just doesn't seem to be masses of sense in there with his form. Um, he was supposed to run at Chester in a Class 2 handicap on Saturday, but was a non-runner. So I will take him to bounce back here because I still think there is a lot of ability for this horse. And if he stays around the current price that he is, then that is plenty enough to uh, to tempt me in to back him, even though, as I say, his form is just a little bit bizarre. 1,350,000 and he has to be gelded by Dubawi out of attraction. Dear God. Roy Delargy. Well, uh, John Gosden did train the winner of this race. This is true. Doesn't have it anymore, though. Do you have that 66 to 1 winner, Claxon? Oi, oi! Oi, oi! No! Why, why don't is... we have the Claxon? Where's the Claxon <laughs> gone? Come on, Rory, tell us. Um, it requires a leap of faith. Always requires a leap of faith to back horses at, at big prices. Um. But I think it is worth having a, a bet of some sort, possibly not your maximum, on the old boy Breeden here, um, who was a, a very useful handicapper once upon a time for John Gosden. Lots of uh, problems bred by um, Dermot Weld's mother. Oh. Um, he, uh, he, he won three of his five starts as a three-year-old for, for John Gosden in the colours of um, uh, Lady Rothschild's. He was then off the track for almost two years, um, and on his his final start for John Gosden after after a near two year absence, he was beaten half a length um, over this trip at Windsor. He was then off the track for almost two years again. He 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 was sold to join Paul Weber. Paul Weber bought him for twenty four grand, uh, and he wasn't. Um, he clearly had setbacks after that because. No doubt, uh, Mr. Weber uh, bought him as a prospective hurdler. He looks like he should be a hurdler. He's a he's a big horse. He's at a mile and a quarter at a high level on the flat, um, but he never made it over hurdles at all. The next thing you know, he is running for Linda Jewell um, in May 2017, having raced once just once since since 2013. She's done really well with him. Most significantly, she's run him three times at Newbury including at this meeting over course and distance 
uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and he has won all three of his starts here, um, including off considerably higher marks than this. Um, he was placed in the Lincoln last year. As a he said, bear in mind he's a ten-year-old. He had very little racing, um, so he's um, he managed to take a whole season with uh, with Linda last year. Essentially, um, won a couple of times on the all weather, um, finished third um, behind Group Horse Auxerre, as he said at the time, in the Lincoln off a mark of ninety-nine. Um, he then won off a mark of ninety-eight, um, over a mile here, beating three of. Uh, and then he, he lost his form a little bit after that and he was off um, from August so again he's had a setback I think he's had wind surgery in the meantime as well he made his, uh, his comeback after more than a year off the track at Ascot early this month and he was uh, as big as a house and uh, he was priced accordingly SP of 200 to 1 in a mile handicap at Ascot Ooh. last time out um, after that break and clearly as I said he's had his problems um, but um, this is the track he's liable to to show his ability as intact out if it, if, um, if it still is he's quickly dropped five pounds for that so he's now seven pounds lower than the mark off which he was placed in the Lincoln last year um, and he's and he's won here since um, so the question is you know whether Linda's managed to, to um, coax him back to full form um, the people who, who bought him still have him. Um, and it, this would be a proper fairy tale if he can win a, a decent handicap, a televised handicap, over a mile and a quarter at the age of 10, given all the problems he's had over the years. Um, and I think it would be dangerous to assume um, that he's gone at the game based on one run at Ascot. The one thing that I saw on that run at Ascot was his enthusiasm was still intact. He raced in touch for, for, um, for most of the race and then dropped out as if the run was badly needed, as you would expect after that kind of a break at his age. Now, he arguably might need another run um, to get to, to peak fitness. Um, and you can argue that as a 10-year-old, he should be deteriorating. I'm not sure that's necessarily true, given that given the mileage he has. Um, and, you know, the bottom line is most people just put a line through him. And the probability is that he won't quite be ready for this. Um, but the ground will be ideal for him. The track is perfect for him. Uh, he's a course and distance winner. His best form now in the last couple of years has really come over a mile, but he is a mile and a quarter winner in his time, including at this track, including at this meeting, as I said, um, in 2017. Um, 50 to 1 is his current price. I think it'd be three figures. <sighs> Given he was last time, I think it'd be 100 to 1 and bigger for this race. Um, and the chances are that he shows up for a long way and then fades again because it's very hard. Uh, for, a, for a small trainer in the duel to get a horse like this fit off one run. I would love it if she did, though. Absolutely love it if Linda could produce him um, second run back from a, from a long absence uh, to go and win a race like this. Uh, and he does have the ability. And, you know, if you ignore his age, if you ignore his, his problems and simply look at his back catalogue, he's the best form in the race. Um, but in fairness, that's very bad logic generally for backing horses um, at, at 10 or older. You know, there's always a reason why veterans should be winning races. But those horses who do retain their ability and their enthusiasm um, are well worth sticking with, as we saw at Yarmouth. Course record from an 11-year-old Caspian Prince at Yarmouth yep. yesterday. You know, it, and in other disciplines, horses are only hitting their peak at 10 and 11. You know, it's only in racing where they're, you know, where they tend to do a lot young. Um 
it's mostly the enthusiasm that goes as much as anything and the joints start getting a little bit creaky I suppose um, but, but um, this fellow as I said he's, because he's had two long long layoffs in his career um, he's still relatively lightly raced um, and it is a leap of faith and you certainly couldn't be backing him at, at any kind of short price anything shorter than 50s you couldn't really get involved but I think he will be I think 50s will will become the the shortest price you get about him. Um, you you liable to get in 66, 80, 100, uh, bigger than that on the day, and that's fixed odds. Um, and you know, if he does drift like that, and it's not like he come, he's, from, he's from a punting yard at all, you know, um, there's not going to be a gamble on him, even if he is fancied. Oh, there might be a gamble on him, Rory, but it's going to be a final for him podcast no, gamble on him. I, I, w- I wouldn't suggest this is the this is the one to, uh, to to have the mortgage on. You won't you won't need to have a big stake to get a return from him. And if he ends up, you know, if if you get a call from the commentator saying, "Oh, Breton's running a massive race," and he finishes seventh, that's that's almost good almost good enough for the for the thrill there. But I I suspect he might still be capable of one final hurrah. And I don't think Lidlidge will back would bring him back into training if he was crocked. Um, so I think the question is how difficult it is to get him ready for a race like this after one run. I think it'll be rustiness rather than anything else that, that stops him rather than um, deterioration or, you know, a uh, lack of soundness. So I think he'd run a decent race. Um, the decent race may just finish, see him finishing fifth or sixth, but hopefully it'll see him in the frame and you'll get a nice return at a big, big price. I haven't even backed him yet. And yet I'm already dreaming about... <laughs> going into Hold quarantine off. for 14 Hold days off. do you see the whites of their eyes upon, upon returning from Dubai after having a, <laughs> a lovely gravy train trip first class with Emirates other airlines are available uh, the first class lounge and then quarantining at home then for 14 days once we get back with champagne breakfasts and, and everything and of course we want to see the whites of the eyes of the layers in the bed for exchange so we're definitely going to get 50s but as Rory said, we may very well get three figures. Maybe we'll get hundreds. Maybe we'll get more than that. Uh, but as I said, 200 to one um, actual as, SP last time. Last time and it's been, yeah. been that kind of year where, um, where the, the SPs, you know, you often see rank outsiders and recently there's been 50s or 66s, but there is a chance that you're going to get absolutely huge odds. Um, and um, yeah, it kind of... Gets me a little bit tingly. Come on, Tom Queely, do us all a favour. Get the job done with Breeden. The dream's alive. And we'll see you all in Dubai. The last race we're going to talk about is uh, the 250 at Newbury, the Dubai Duty Free Legacy Cup Stakes, the Group 3, which was formerly known as the Arc Trial. Extra elusive uh, for Holly Dole and Roger Charlton. That will do for me. Thank you very much. 4.0, Desert Encounter, old friend of the show, 4.33. And Alarcam, we spoke about his brother who's now been gelded. Um, 4.33, Alarcam still has. He's meeting two veg, but we'll see if that continues. Uh, Kate Tracy, <laughs> thoughts on the 250? <laughs> Yeah, well, this is the race that Adea was uh, was going to be going for and is, uh, has swerved this to go up north. So I'm going extra elusive as well. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not being too original here with this, but yeah, go with him. Um, I mean, there's not really much of a fault I can find with this horse's chances, to be honest. And in just a four-runner race, it should make his job that bit more easy as well. His win in the Group 3 Winter Stakes, uh, Winter Hill Stakes last time out was very impressive to beat Fox Chairman by one length. And that was uh, the standout leg of her of Holly Doyle's history-making five-timer, wasn't it, mm. at Windsor um, that day? 
Uh, he's relaxing more and more of his racing. And because of that, he shouldn't really have any issue over the one mile three here. And it should uh, be getting one mile four soon enough, provided he continues his improved way of racing. And Holly just gets on with this horse so well because he isn't straightforward and he does have a slightly awkward head carriage, but she doesn't fight him and he seems to really enjoy uh, running for her. So hopefully this will be his uh, third group three in as many starts as Holly continues her great record for her new retainer job for this owner as well. So extra elusive for me. Extra elusive for both of us in the 250, Roy DeLarge. Uh Desert Kaiser for me, um, who uh, finished uh, ran the same day as Extra Elusive ran at Windsor, ran on the other run, uh, the other race in the day, the um, the listed August Sticks, um, which was also won by Holly Doyle and Holly made I'm afraid she made Jimmy Spencer look a bit silly. <laughs> um, uh, Jimmy, I mean, in fairness, Desert Kaiser stumbled quite badly on the bend. Um, which is the, the most important aspect of his defeat that day. Um, but Holly knew where she wanted to be, and she got there before Jimmy Spencer, who also knew where he wanted to be, was coming from further back. So he's made a beeline for the far reel, realised that Holly was going to be in the position that she wanted to be in, then decided to um, reroute himself uh, to the outside um, and got um, stuck in a pocket um, in no uncertain terms um, and ended up finishing third. I thought he should have won that race, had it panned out the way... Uh, his jockey wanted it to, and and again, it's worth pointing out that uh, the stumble on the bend was was uh, very important that day. Dustin Cowder's won this race um, in two of the last three years, and indeed David Simcock has won the race in four of the last five years. Um, uh, he's adaptable conditions wise, but Newbury suits him really well. Um, Newbury is uh, is a track that sort of confers no great advantage to front runners, um, and if you've got a horse like him with a with a decent turn of foot. Um, things tend to set up quite nicely and although he's getting a little bit long in the tooth now at the age of eight um, this has gone to repeat winners at the age of eight before and I think he just has everything in his favour and uh, William Buick takes over having having um, got the old commentator's curse and said that um, Desmond Counter and Jimmy Spencer were a, were a perfect combination and then all went horribly wrong at Windsor and now William Buick takes over the steering um, I think he can end a frustrating run. It's been it's, it's not been his best season so far. He hasn't got his head in front, but he's a very useful sort on his day. I still think the ability is there. And um, extra elusive. Uh, we haven't really mentioned with him that he's um, he's stepping up a bit in trip. Um, and although he's he, he's you know he saw it out thoroughly um, last time out, he, he's managed to dictate terms in his last couple of starts. Um, and he's not the type who necessarily wants it any further than a mile and a quarter. Um, on pedigree, he, he should stay, but he, he has, um, until recently, uh, been a bit too keen um, to last it out. So I'm making the running here, if that's, if that's what Holly wants to do. And he, he, hasn't, he hasn't historically been a front runner, been very handy in his last two starts, um, because that's been the way to ride him in the, um, tactically in those races. I wonder whether that might count against him in this because um, it's just that little bit stiffer uh, that it has been at um, Haydock and Windsor in his last two starts. The extra furlong at Newbury, a proper galloping track, might just find him out. I'm still with extra elusive, but I very much respect what you're saying, Rory. In terms of naps, so now we're going to find out what the story is. Uh, Kate Tracy, your nap of the weekend for the final front mm. podcast is going to be barring pride in the middle of the reef and just to chuck in the extra interest because 
as as the followers of mine on Twitter will know, that my place spot in my pools panel has been very frustrating for the last few weeks, but at least the exactors have come in. So I'm keen to get an exactor in here. So I will do Bahrain Pride to win from Rhythm Master in second. I like it. Rory DeLarghi. Uh, I think I'll, I've got to leave the big price ones to drift and drift um, to maximise the value there. I think I will go with Arbalet in the Silver Cup. Ah, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, so Arbalet in the Silver Cup is the nap of the weekend for Rory, which means you could do the the Final Forum podcast Lucky 31 or just roll them all up in multiples on the Betfair Exchange if you wanted. Um so you can go with, with Kate's nap, uh, Rory's nap, and then his two big prices, Gabriel the Wire, and uh, of course his massive price horse, Breeden at Newbury. And we'll see you all in Dubai. And if you're, if you're feeling really, if you're feeling particularly lucky, Satanti Girl, the 305 at air, who's well over 20s on the bet for exchange. Um, I'm and if you insist on something shorter for me, I don't like giving out shorties, um, but I think Fox Chairman is probably the best value of those at shortish prices. Add um, Fox. Because the market is... Add yeah. Fox Chairman to your lucky 69. I'm going to have to jump off uh, that bet and, and swap to Rory. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kate. I'm flip-flopping. Oh. Oh, I'm you're fl- so easy to persuade. I'm flip-flopping. oh dear me Uh, hopefully it's going to be another profitable weekend Uh, very much looking forward to it and um, hopefully gravy will be flowing let us know how you get on Uh, fascinating stuff as always Uh, I wanted to start the show because we're looking ahead to the weekend and um, it's been a tough year for all of us Um, and and so I wanted to to look ahead and and be bright and, and be cheerful as much as possible you didn't have to know Pat Smullen to be absolutely gutted at what happened and I don't know if you listened to the interviews he did with us here on the Final Forum podcast he did he did two one earlier this year um, and one last year and in both he was incredibly kind incredibly kind uh, and unbelievably kind with his time but also incredibly kind to just open up and be so honest about his battle with cancer and what it was to face it and and how he was dealing with it and how he was handling it what it was like the day he was told how he handled that with with Francis and and the drive home it's not just a terrible loss for racing it's, it's a terrible loss for his beautiful wife, Frances, and their three kids, Hannah, Patty, and Sarah. And I only saw today that Hannah tweeted pictures of, of Pat with just the caption, my hero. 22,000 likes on Twitter. He was genuinely loved in the racing community, but by his family as well. And he was a good man. And in a way, it doesn't take anything to be nice, but it does. He made time for fans. He made time for the media. He made time for us. And he didn't have to. But he did. So we'll do 
a proper, a proper tribute show to him on Monday. I couldn't get my head around this. Um, you know, last year it was basically Pat Small and Day on Irish Champions Weekend on the St. Ledger. It, people, the amount of people who turned up at the Curra on that Sunday for the Legends race, for the Pat Small and Legends race, was far in excess of anybody else who, who turned up there to see Pinatubu or the Irish St. Ledger. They were there for him. And you couldn't get into the winner's enclosure afterwards when McCoy won. And, if, and it was great to see McCoy and it was great to see Ruby and Barry. Everyone was there for Pat. And everybody who he could shake hands with, he did. Everybody who he could take a photo with, he did. And the amount of money that man raised. All while fighting the most horrific battle. I've done a lot of interviews with cancer patients through previous work with the, the Radiothon in Cork. Millions of euro were raised for the Mercy Hospital, for Marymount, for CUH, Breakthrough Cancer Research. All incredible people, all incredible facilities. And some of those interviews were the toughest I've ever done because I was amazed at the bravery of those speaking. But to interview Pat battling cancer while my mother was doing the same and I honestly didn't know how it was going to go was really tough and he was unbelievably kind he would message me to see how she was Francis would do the same Pat and I didn't know each other beforehand that's the measure of him that's who Pat Smullen was didn't matter who you were he made time for you It's genuinely heartbreaking. And you didn't have to know him to be hurt by it. Because we all watched him. He was a nine-time champion jockey in Ireland. And we all admired him. And he did not deserve that. Not at 43. <sighs> um, Rory, it's, it's one of the toughest stories I've ever covered in racing. And... In a, in a way, one of the reasons why I want to do the tribute on Monday is because I actually just need time to properly process it and figure out what it is we're going to do properly. I don't want to rush into it. Um, cancer is an absolute bastard of a thing. And he fought it incredibly bravely, but more so he did so openly and in public, and that gave hope to others. And to anybody who is going through it or is a family member of someone who's going through it and is trying to find the right thing to say, there was Pat on The Late Late Show, on The Tonight Show on Virgin Media, on News Talk, on the BBC, in The Guardian, with Chris Cook, on Sky Sports Racing. He, he shared his battle in, in public and, and raised so much money for it. For others to fight. He was an incredible man. 
Yeah, and that's that's um, that's his true legacy. You know, we can talk about the the, the great races he won and, and what a great jockey he was, and he was um, one of the finest jockeys Ireland's produced in the last fifty years. Um, but fundamentally, uh, his legacy is how he fought his fight, and as you said, the hope he gave others. Um, and if you listen to anything, you know, you can listen to a million people give tribute to, to Pat Smullen who knew him to varying degrees. The best thing you can do is listen to Pat Smullen. Yeah. There are loads of, there's a great interview he did with um, with Brian Gleeson um, pretty much this time last year when he was due to ride in in, uh, in that race uh, that he'd organised that McCoy won and he had a diagnosis a, a, a week or two before um, that made it impossible for him and it basically was the diagnosis that said, you know, this is you're not going to beat this, essentially. Um, and his attitude in that interview is stunning. Um, and I, you know, don't listen to me talking about Pat Smullen. Don't listen to, you know, any of us um, pay tribute to him. Listen to Pat Smullen talking about what he went through himself, and listen to, you know, to John Ox and Dermot Wells, the people who, you know, who knew him best. And you get a real uh, feeling of. Uh, what a blow this is um, but also how you can take uh, a tragedy like that something you know you you know uh, you're you're going to fight a losing battle against essentially um, and see how to do it with dignity and uh, with hope but also in a way that does a hell of a lot of practical good as well well said Kate it's it's one of those things you're just not sure what to say because there aren't really words. And if you haven't, and if you're, I, I understand that it's difficult to do it because it can be strange to go and listen to someone who's passed, especially when it's way before their time. But if I would recommend that you go back and, and listen to the interviews he did with us on the final furlong because he just spoke so openly and, and honestly um, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to listen back to them myself. It's just very fresh in my head. Um, but as a, as a sportsman and, and as, a, as an ambassador for our sport, he was a phenomenally talented jockey. But Rory has just said that his, his legacy will be his fight and, and what he... The, the awareness he raised and the money, the countless amounts of money that he raised um, for the battle as well. And that's, that's a measure of the man as well. It's so true. And I, I think that every, both of you have spoken the most beautiful words there about him. And I never met him at all. Um, but it's, um, it's something that's hit me quite hard. <laughs> because um, I lost my own dad to pancreatic cancer seven years ago. I'm sorry. Okay, it's, um, okay. it's something I never, ever speak about and I never cover. Um, but just seeing the outpour of love and the amount of work he put in and the amount of money he raised for cancer charities, I think that's why it's touched people, people who've never met him, because cancer has touched every one of us in some sort of way. And everyone feels connected to his story and the fact he was going through his battle so openly really, really 
I think hit home to absolutely everyone. And as you say, his what what we're all dubbing the Pat Smullin day from last year on um, at the Curragh was just magical. And he was so, as Rory says, dignified in deflecting any of the attention off of him. He said, it's not about me. This is nothing to do with me. This is all about raising money, raising awareness for cancer and what we can do to fight it and that we're not going to go down without a fight. And his bravery was just, I know it's such a cliche and it's something that gets out a lot, but it was so, so inspiring. And you just, I mean, my heart breaks for his family because, you, you know, we we all know how tragic it's going to be, but just know what those kids are going to be going through now. And they were so lucky to have him, so lucky to have him for, even if it was a short time, but still to have him for any length of time. Because as I say, I never met him, never spoke to him, only heard his interviews, but God, he managed to transcend through that, through any sort of media interviews. He just managed to hit you as a person because he just had that quality and that just, I don't know, that, that, those raw human traits about him which which you just tap into and and he just seemed like the most fantastic human being and it's just it, it's it's really got me I've never met him but just I think like so many people you didn't have to to really be feeling the effects of this and yeah I'm just just gutted he's gone but he's left behind as you guys have both said the most fantastic amazing legacy and and we will forever talk about him as the great person he was I'm so sorry for your loss, Kate. I didn't realise that it happened to you. And yeah. you're good to talk about it, particularly when you don't talk about it often. It's good of you to do that and, and to share that. Um, yeah, it's, 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 his, it's his wife and his kids, Hannah, Patty and Sarah. And you'll know, Kate, you'll know this better than most people. Someone who is battling cancer is drained. They're drained from the fight and they're drained from the treatment. And yet, somehow, he found the time and the energy to go and fundraise. There's a lot of stuff that's not in the public knowledge, by the way, about people he met who were battling cancer as well, taking time out of his own treatment to go and meet people and to fundraise, but to also talk about it so openly because he knew it would help others. He was selfless. And he was, it, that seems to have been his trade as a jockey as well. That he was, he was so giving of his time to everybody who wanted it. To his family and, and to trainers, to owners, to the media, to fans. He leaves an enormous, an enormous hole. And um, we will pay tribute to him properly with uh, Barry Garrity as, as one guest on Monday's Final Front podcast and I hope we do him justice. God rest Pat Smullen. He was an icon and a legend and is irreplaceable and thoughts to his family, especially to Francis and to anybody who was affected by that story. Uh, that's it. We'll be back on Monday. Hopefully, there was a reason I didn't say this at the start of the show, um, but it had to be said at the end. Have a great weekend, make the most of it, and hopefully there will be lots of gravy flowing.
courtesy of Kate Tracy and Rory DeLarge. From Kate. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you, Kate, for your analysis, but also for being so open and honest as well on the show. Uh, Rory DeLarge, beautiful words as always, and hopefully lots of winners. Yeah, all the very best this weekend. Mind yourself. Take care. Good luck. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.